0: WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners has approved a resolution stating its opposition to the loss of any local control over zoning of wind and solar projects. At a meeting today, commissioners discussed legislation in Lansing that aims to get the Michigan Public Service Commission involved in the approvals at least in some cases. Commissioner Shokwe Pitchford said there's still uncertainty about what's being proposed. He said there could be room for middle ground. I believe I read it verbatim that the Michigan Township Association representative did say we want to find a compromise here. We want to find a way to figure out if the Public Services Commission is going to be involved, what is that role? So I think it's bigger than this one resolution. I don't think this is going to end the conversation. However, Pitchford agreed local control is important. Board Chair Mac Elliott said the talks right now seem to be focused on the largest wind and solar projects, possibly creating a way for the MPSC to overrule local decisions. It's illogical because it's the biggest projects that have the greatest impact on that community. And that calls for the local governing body to be involved. Elliott said that more than 100 years of governance in Michigan have included local control over zoning. Utilities are seeking changes at the state level to make it easier for them to initiate wind and solar projects. Governor Gretchen Whitmer has proposed the MPSC be involved. The resolution of opposition was approved by the county board unanimously. The city of New Buffalo is receiving a $1 million grant from the state to build a pedestrian bridge over the Galeen River to help people access the beach. City Manager Darwin Watson tells us when the Michigan Economic Development Corporation was seeking applications for its revitalization and placemaking program, The city already had a project ready to go. He said The pedestrian traffic to the beach right now can become a problem when it's busy. Currently, what happens is when you go to the beach or you want to access the beach area in New Buffalo, there's one way into it, and that's Whitaker Street. But when you go down Whitaker Street in the summertime, you have motorized traffic that travels on the road, but you also have pedestrian traffic which travels along the sidewalk that's just adjacent to it. Watson says while there haven't been any incidents, the traffic conditions for pedestrians walking over the North Whitaker Street Bridge can become a problem. So the pedestrian bridge is going to be built right next to it. It will be similar to the pedestrian bridge connecting Benton Harbor and St. Joseph. The $1 million state grant is a matching grant, so the bridge's total cost is $2 million. Watson says they hope to start construction in the spring and be finished by late summer. A refueling outage is about to begin at the Cook Nuclear Power Plant. Plant spokesperson Bill Downey tells us Unit 1 will be taken offline at 3 a.m. on Saturday for both refueling and maintenance. The work will include replacing a reactor coolant pump motor as well as RCP seal inspection and refurbishment activities. Downey says some of this requires some real heavy lifting. We're doing rotor inspections on our low-pressure turbines, and it requires us to lift an exhaust hood that weighs about 130,000 pounds. We've got the inner casing of those, of those low-pressure turbines. Uh, each of those is 115,000 pounds, and then the rotor itself is 350,000 pounds. Downey says it'll take about 1,000 additional workers to get all the work done. They make a difference to the local economy. They come in and they stay in the hotels and some of the local Airbnbs for the time that they're here. And actually, you know, refueling outage influx of of people comes in long before we actually start the refueling outage. You know, you start seeing these folks are moving in mid to late summer. Downey says the plant also hires local workers to help during refueling outages, but some jobs have to be done by specialists who travel around the country to different nuclear plants. He can't tell us how long the refueling outage will be, but they usually last for months. Unit 1 has already been brought down to 62% power to allow for equipment testing before the outage begins. That'll be at 3 a.m. on Saturday. In the meantime, Unit 2 is still at 100% power. Legislation designed to toughen sanctions on Iran have, has been introduced by Congressman Bill Heisinger. He tells us the No U.S. Financing for Iran Act would effectively cut off the Iranian government from the U.S. financial system. He says this is the cutback on some of the slack that's been given to Iran. We are hoping that we'll be able to see some action on that through the Foreign Affairs Committee as well as the House Financial Services Committee and possibly get something to the floor in a package of bills that would make sure that some of the backsliding that has happened when it comes to sanctions on Iran are actually reinstated. Specifically, Heisinga's bill would prohibit the Secretary of Treasury from authorizing transactions by U.S. financial institutions to Iran for any goods, services, or technology. There's an exception for food and medicine. The legislation would also prevent the IMF from providing financial assistance to Iran and the allocation of special drawing rights. Heisinga says Iran is the leading state sponsor of terror, and it's time to crack down on its government. The Michigan Department of Transportation will reopen all lanes of U.S. 31 between Buchanan and Berrien Springs next week after a seven-month repaving project. MDOT spokesperson Nick Sharipa tells us the work included asphalt, cold milling, and resurfacing concrete, curb and gutter, culverts, drainage, guardrail, fencing, signs, and pavement markings. It was a pretty large repaving project, $32.9 million investment. It involved a couple of different interchanges and some ramps, and a little bit more than just repaving, but essentially it was a repaving project. Anybody who driven that section of northbound 31 knew that those lanes needed some help. Sharipa says the project is nearly finished, and the road will reopen to traffic next Wednesday. There still may be a few shoulder and single lane closures while MDOT puts the finishing touches on the road. In all, the agency repaved 12 miles of U.S. 31. State Representative Joey Andrews will hold a meeting and a meeting-greet event on Friday. He'll be at the St. Joe Community Tap Room on Main Street in St. Joseph from 530 to 630 tomorrow to talk with residents. Andrews says this is a good chance for anyone to ask questions, voice concerns, or receive an update on any issue they have in mind. He's inviting everyone to stop by. And it may seem hard to believe, but the state has selected the official 2023 state Christmas tree. Michigan Department of Technology Management and Budget spokesperson Laura Watruba says the tree is a 60-foot spruce from Onaway in Isle County. She says they've been looking for a few months. Back in June, we put out a call for uh, people to submit trees for consideration to serve as a uh, state tree. And really, that process uh, we, we typically look for a Bruce, or a fir tree. It does have to be at least 60 feet tall uh, with a maximum crown of 24 feet and a maximum trunk diameter of 30 inches. What Truba says the tree was donated by Vic Rupert and his family to honor his late wife, Shirley. The tree will be harvested October 26th and transported to Lansing to the state capitol, where it will be decorated. It'll be lit at a tree lighting ceremony at the annual Silver Bells in the City celebration on November 17th. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dewajac, where furniture shopping is fun. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby revealed around 14 Americans still remain unaccounted for following Saturday's attacks by Hamas militants. ABC's Karen Travers has the latest on what the Biden administration is saying about sending in U.S. troops. The White House said Thursday there are no active plans or intentions to put American troops on the ground in combat in Israel. National Security spokesman John Kirby. Israelis have uh, made it very clear that that they don't want foreign troops uh, on their soil, that they want to prosecute these operations on their own. Kirby said the U.S. would do everything it can to improve the capabilities of the Israeli military. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. The Israeli military pulverized the Hamas-ruled Gaza Strip with airstrikes prepared for possible ground invasion and said today it's a complete siege on the territory would remain in place until Hamas freed some of the 150 hostages taken during a grisly weekend attack. A visit by Secretary of State Antony Blinken along with a shipments of U.S. weapons were a powerful green light to Israel to drive ahead with its retaliation in Gaza. But international aid groups warned of a worsening humanitarian crisis. Israel has halted deliveries of food, fuel, medicine, and electricity to Gaza's 2.3 million people and prevented entry of supplies from Egypt. The war has claimed at least 2,700 lives on both sides. Israel says it will not allow any food or water to go into Gaza until the hostages are released. Some members of Congress are working overtime to get their constituents stuck in Israel back to the U.S. ABC's Andy Field has more. New York Republican Mike Lawler spent days on the phone trying to arrange military flights out of Israel. I have hundreds of constituents who are stuck in Israel. They cannot get on a commercial airline because U.S. commercial airline carriers are not... Uh, running service in Israel right now for obvious reasons. Congressman Lawler says other countries had their military fly citizens out of Israel. He's trying to get the U.S. to do the same. Andy Field, ABC News, Washington. President Joe Biden has spent decades as a stalwart supporter of Israel, a connection rooted in a long-ago dinner table conversation with his father about the Holocaust. Now his devotion is back in the spotlight following the Hamas attacks that caused the largest loss of Jewish life in a single day since the Holocaust. The Holocaust. The crisis threatens to engulf more of the Middle East in conflict. It will also test Biden at a time when some Democrats are more skeptical of backing Israel and Republicans are eager to portray him as an unreliable ally for the Jewish state. The House Republican leadership crisis continues without an end in sight. The GOP conference's pick to become the next House Speaker it is said to be running out of time to seal the deal among his colleagues. ABC's Stephen Portnoy is more. Still short of the votes he needs to become Speaker, Steve Scalise huddled with fellow Republicans for more than two hours. And I took every question that everybody brought, and we're going to continue to go through this process. Despite Jim Jordan urging unity behind the party's nominee, several Republicans say they remain committed to him rather than Scalise. Tennessee Congressman Andy Ogles. I'm not on the whip team, but I can count votes, and the votes aren't there for Steve. Increasingly frustrated Republicans say Scalise may be running out of time. Stephen Portnoy, ABC News, Washington. The U.S. and Qatar have reached an agreement that the Qataris will not act on any request from Tehran for the time being to access $6 billion in Iranian funds that were unblocked as part of a prisoner swap last month. That's according to a U.S. official who is not authorized to comment on spoken condition of anonymity. The move stops short of a full refreezing of Iranian funds in Qatar's banking system. It follows the deadly attacks by Hamas on Israel and continued Republican criticism of the Biden administration's deal with Iran, in which $6 billion was unfrozen in exchange for the release of five detained Americans. Police across the United States are increasing their alert status ahead of possible protests and demonstrations Friday by pro-Palestinian groups. ABC's Alex Stone is more. ABC News has confirmed every major city police department in the U.S. is now in a heightened state of alert after online calls from Muslims to take to the streets on Friday in response to the war in Israel. In New York, police are adding officers to the streets on Friday and all sworn members are being ordered to be in uniform. And in the West, from Las Vegas to L.A. and Beverly Hills, Police say they are monitoring the situation and increasing patrols around synagogue. The acting Social Security Commissioner says a 3.2% increase in benefits next year will help millions of people keep up with expenses. The increase announced today is far less than this year's historic boost and reflects moderating consumer prices. The Social Security Administration says the average recipient will get more than $50 more per month. The AARP estimates a $59 per month. About 71 million people, including retirees, disabled people and children, receive Social Security benefits. This year's cost of living adjustment was 8.7 percent, triggered by record high inflation, pushing up costs of consumer goods. And new numbers are illustrating the massive effect that Latinos have on the U.S. economy. Morph maybe sees Brian Clark. Latinos have contributed more than three trillion dollars to the U.S. economy, according to a report by UCLA and Cal Lutheran. Latinos are the best thing that ever happened to the United States. David Hayes Bautista is a UCLA professor and founding researcher of this study. And as Hispanic Heritage Month winds down, Beatriz Acevedo, who owns a business teaching Latinos to build generational wealth, says companies should get involved with Latinos, not out of a quest for diversity. It's the right thing to do if you want to thrive and succeed. If Latinos were their own country, they'd have the world's fifth highest GDP. Brian Clark, ABC News.